0: Hi, this is Regaline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Linda Gunter. Linda Gunter is the co-founder of Love Him, Love Them. Welcome to the show, Linda. Oh, thank you so much. Gigi, you gave me an assignment to do before
1: we went on and I'm working to do that now. So, so excited to be here with you today.
0: I love it. It's truly an honor to have you here today now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? So my name is Linda Gunter, and I live in Lake Hartwell,
1: Georgia, in a little bitty town with chicken houses, no red lights, and no Walmarts. It's called Lavonia, Georgia. And that's where I currently live with my however many children are still living here with us now. We'd have to do a count every night at dinner to see how many we still have.
0: I love it. Tell us more about your experience turning one of your rental properties into a homeless shelter. Oh,
1: girl, that was a funny story.
0: So, back in the day, we used to, you know, all the shows that are out now where
1: the husband and the wife go in and they flip these houses and do these houses. Yeah, my husband and I could have been doing that years ago. So, that's what we did. We used to go in, buy dumpy houses, fix them up, and, and either sell them or keep them and rent them out. And one day there was a lady that came up and she had a grocery cart full of stuff and she walked up and I was outside and she said, I need to stay in this house. And I said, well, honey, it's not ready yet. We're not, we're not renting it out yet. She goes, no, no, no. I need to just stay in the house. And I said, "What? what is wrong with you? You can't just stay in the house. She was like, well, I don't have anywhere to live and I need, I need to stay in the house. And I said, well, girl, you need to go to a homeless shelter because that we have, we have for profit business, you know? And uh, she said, well, I've already called the the shelters and all the shelters are full. And I said, "Well, I think you're lying because it's August and it's very hot outside. And that makes no sense to me. And so I pulled up. This will tell you how long ago I rolled my little BlackBerry button around and Googled homeless shelters and called and got in touch with somebody. And I said, you know, I got a lady standing out here with a grocery cart full of stuff and she wants to stay in one of our rental properties and she she needs a homeless shelter. And the lady on the other end said, well, I dispatched for all the homeless shelters and we're all full. And I said, I don't believe you. That's ridiculous. It's August. I said, what in the world am I supposed to do with her? The lady on the other end of the phone says, I don't know. Maybe you need to open a homeless shelter. And I thought the nerve of her and I took my BlackBerry and I hung it up, which we don't do that anymore anyways, And uh, to make a very long story short, went inside, spoke with my husband, and he was like, absolutely, she can stay here. Six months later, we had turned that exact property, it was 683 Jones Street in Vine City, Atlanta, which is the most, the fifth worst crime ridden neighborhood in the United States of America. It's a hot mess. And we had taken that and turned it into a gorgeous shelter. Uh, We used our family and our friends, and it was designed. We called it like the White House. It had a blue room, a red room, a green room. And because we uh, were not taking government grants, we were just kind of sharing the idea with our friends and family, we were able to share Jesus. We were able to bring women through the shelter that no other place would accept. Uh, So in other words, if you had children of two different genders, Mother, many other shelters would not take you in. If you were pregnant and about to give birth, they wouldn't. And so we had lots and lots of babies there. And the exciting part was that because we were in the real estate business, we were able to take them through and not only transform their lives with Jesus, we were able to uh, teach them how to use uh, banking, how to use, have a budget, how to finance. And then we could actually get them jobs and transfer them into one of our homes. So many women that came through our homeless shelter ended up from going from homeless, not only from homeless to a home, but they actually owned their home. We would or finance it for them. It was a pretty amazing uh, thing that happened. That is incredible. I want to say more about, about your experience. Uh, about six months later, I ended up at a uh, meeting for people that were looking at doing homeless shelter. And I heard a voice sitting beside me that sounded very familiar and it was that lady that had told me, "I don't know. I guess you need to open a homeless shelter." And I said, "And I recognize that voice." She said, "Linda, I've been doing this for 25 years. I have said that same thing to three people." She said, "And
0: all three people opened a shelter. Isn't that crazy?" <laughs> that is inspiring. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Very interesting. I love it. Now, tell us more about your experience stepping out in faith for the 30 orphans you encountered on Christmas Day in 2011. Well, from that orphanage, from that
1: homeless shelter that we had in Atlanta, one of my very good friends, uh, she was a mortgage broker, and so she is who helped with the financing part. She helped us uh, with the women and taught them how to save money and set up their checking accounts, et cetera. She was tragically removed from this earth, in a very bad situation in 2004. It also took away her, uh, her mother and her husband from five children's lives. So in about five minutes, five children lost their mom, their dad, and their grandmother. And uh, to make a very long story short that's actually in an entire book, um, I, my husband and I ended up with those five children. Um, So on the 17th day of the seventh month of the year 2007, the family living in our house in this big city up here with chicken houses uh, went to the size of seven with children who were the ages of seven to 17. Now, those children just happened to be Haitian. My friend was, was Haitian. And so uh, after about three years of figuring out what schools they were in, I mean, Gigi, we had, we had elementary, middle, high school. We, we had the whole gamut that we were dealing with. People who were losing their teeth, the people who needed their driver's license. I mean, these kids were all across the gamut. And for, for my husband and I, who had never had children, to go to that overnight, it was overwhelming. So it took us a while to sort of get our bearings, not that we have our bearings now, after about three or four years, um, I decided that I wanted to take them back to Haiti. I wanted to show them where they came from. And in all honesty, if you if I was very transparent with where my heart was at that point, I wanted them to be a little bit more grateful to me <laughs> for, for saving them, you know? Because I wasn't getting a whole lot of gratitude. And I was thinking, you know, maybe if I take them back and let them see where they could be, they're going <laughs> to be a lot more thankful to me. And so uh, Christmas 2011... Uh, We I ran our house like a business. So we had family meetings and I said at our November family meeting, I said, I make the motion that this Christmas, nobody gets anything. And instead, we're going to take all the money we would normally spend on Christmas and we're going to go find an orphanage in Haiti to help. You know, and they were like, I don't think so. (laughs) After a little bit of conversation, everybody decided we would go. Um, And so in 2011, which was the year after the devastating earthquake in Haiti. Haiti was a hot mess and we got there, we went to the orphanage that we had planned on helping, which ironically had 17 girls in it. And that's really all we took for, was for those 17 girls, but there was need everywhere. And so the gentleman who was taking us around told me, he said, Linda, I've got a friend. He said, he's not really an official orphanage. He said, but children after the earthquake that lived in the area where he was. Uh, he's a music teacher. And so they all felt comfortable just going to his home. And I thought, going to his home? He said, yeah, he said he's ended up taking in 30 kids. Now, anybody who ever heard my story, they were like, you know, oh my gosh, she took in five kids overnight? That's crazy. Well, when I heard about this lady and her husband who had taken in 30 kids overnight, I was like, she's gotta be a nutcase, right? Who <laughs> takes in 30 kids. So he's like, I really want to take you by there. I think it would be nice to meet them, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And then I I argued with them in the beginning because we didn't have gifts for them. But Gigi, we had a suitcase with us on that first trip. And I don't know what your belief is in the supernatural, how you feel about miracles. But I'm going to tell you, I was introduced to miracles in the supernatural on that very first trip to Haiti. One of which was just that suitcase. That suitcase, every time we opened it, was full of things that we had not put in it. We would go back to the guest house at night, it would be empty. And then the next time we would go somewhere, it would be full of gifts, exactly the number of gifts that we needed. And so on that trip to this place uh, that they were saying these children were, we got out and before we could get into the orphanage, we had to walk past a pile of trash. It was a pile of trash that there were, there was a goat and a pig and two little boys. And they were all rifling through that pile of trash with the same goal in mind. They were looking for food and that messed me up. Then we had to go up three flights of stairs into this place, which was these people's home. And there was a river running through the home that was devastation Mm -hmm. still from the earthquake. We get up to the top of the stairs, the third floor. There's no running water. There's no electricity. It's Christmas day. There's no Christmas tree, no ham on the table. And we open that miraculous suitcase And there are enough pairs of shoes, flip-flops for every child. There's Barbies, there's everything there. So we did what everybody does that goes on a mission trip. And we handed out our stuff and we were ready to go. And to be very honest with you, I was really ready to go because of the odor of what, if you can imagine what a place smells like with 30 children and no running water, no electricity. And so I gave my husband that look when you're like, you know, ready to go. And right when we were about to leave, the gentleman who was the dad of the home said, Mommy Linda. Before you leave, I want for my children to sing for you. And I'm a pretty bold chick, but I could not figure out how to say, I don't want your little orphan kids singing for me on Christmas. I'm getting out of here. So as he instructed me, I walked over to the, uh, they sat me down on a urine stained daybed. They handed me a three month old child that had been dropped off the night before that they did not have provisions for. And I don't know if he snapped his fingers, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden uh, generators went on, duct tape drums came out, musicians came out, kids stood in front of me. And on Christmas day, 2011, those 30 children sang for me in five different languages in a way I had never heard or seen before. And I literally felt like Jesus Christ himself tapped me on the shoulder and said, Linda, I need you to look at this. These children are exhibiting the joy of the Lord. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what material things you have or you don't have, Linda, this is the joy of the Lord. And girlfriend, you ain't got it. Because Linda, your joy comes from your circumstances. You know, when these new kids you've got keep their rooms clean, when your husband does what you want him to, how you want him to. And Gigi, I left that orphanage that day a completely different woman. And I told the man that brought us there, I said, you know, somebody, somebody needs to bring those kids to the United States. So they were able to change my life with one song. I said, I can't imagine. I said, you're not going to believe this, but there are people in the United States. They have, I just said, I've had, I've met with several women this week They have everything they need. Most of them, Gigi, have everything they want, but they're not happy. They don't have joy. And that man, his name is Pastor Maxwell. he looked back at me with his Haitian accent. He said, oh, Mommy Linda, every American (laughs) I bring her, they say the same thing, but don't nobody do nothing about it. And I left that orphanage. My family and I left Haiti. We came back to America. And at our January family meeting, I asked my family, I said, you know, so what was that trip to Haiti? Was that just a one-time thing or, you know, what are we going to do? And my youngest daughter at that time, I have younger ones now, but Jazzy, she said, oh, Mommy Linda, we have to go back. Those girls, those children, they're counting on us. So every Christmas since then, we have spent in Haiti. We reached out to Every major organization that has a large footprint in Haiti and we shared our vision and nobody else shared it with us. (laughs) We were basically told that if you think you're going to get 30 kids out of Haiti, especially from one orphanage, you know, that's nuts. That's not going to happen. Because, as you know, to take children from a foreign country or anyone, you have to have a visa. And before you can have a visa, you have to have a passport. And before you can have a passport, you have to have a birth certificate. And before you can have a birth certificate, you have to have a birthday. And we were dealing with children who were the only members of their family who had been pulled out from underneath the rubble of the earthquake, and we didn't know their birthdays. And the administration in Haiti at that point had gone defunct. It wasn't like in America where you can just run up to a courthouse. And yet God saw fit. And in 2016, Gigi, those 30 kids, you can see them in a picture behind me, Uh, Got on an airplane, came to the United States of America and sang from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, all the way up to Washington, D.C. Gigi, when they arrived in the United States, we had one hundred and twenty dollars in our bank account. We had no bus and we had no idea how we were going to feed those children. And yet at the end of that first year, they touched so many lives the exact same way they touched mine at every single concert we did, that when they went back to Haiti, we were able to put them into a brand new house. Not only a new house, but they had all their school supplies. They had their school uniforms, they had their books. We sent them back with a computer lab. (laughs) They had everything they needed, three meals a day. And when you fast forward, we did two additional tours. The second tour started our vocational school and the third tour started our hospital. And Gigi, from that, we Mm -hmm. now have six locations in Haiti. We currently partner with Feed the Hunger to feed 5,000 children a day. Probably the most exciting part of that is that 22 of those 30 children are currently living in the United States of America. They are here either on student visas or they are in the process of being adopted. That's what happened.
0: That is incredible. My heart goes out to you as well. You, you you, are absolutely amazing, Linda. And I appreciate all that you're doing in, in Haiti and here as well to help individuals in, in Haiti. It's, it's very powerful. Now, can you tell us more about your ministries in Haiti? So uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, <laughs> we opened up a, a
1: hospital. We had to pivot. We were originally going to open three stories and have a surgical unit on the second floor. Uh, but we opened August the 29th. Uh, the reason that we chose to open a hospital is five years ago at this same location, where we have our schools, our vocational school, and our church. It's our sort of the hub. It's called the Valley of Hope, and it's out in the middle of Gallet-Shimbom. We had a motorbike tap tap come in with a lady who was in labor, and they had come down from the mountain, and our place was the first place they saw. And when they came in, they assumed that there would be medical attention there. But instead, we only had teachers and pastors and nobody who knew how to handle a difficult delivery. And so that we lost both the mom and the baby in that instance. And when I got the phone call about that, uh, I told Pastor Mike, so I said, "We, we have to open a hospital. We don't have a choice. And so, again, we stepped out in faith on something that I had no idea how to do. And God blessed it all the way through. And then when we opened on August 29th, the very first day we were opened about, we pivoted to open from eight to three every day. That's all we were gonna do just as a clinic until we could get going. And at 2.20, a lady waddled in, who was in labor. It was almost a repeat without the motorbike. Waddled in, Pastor Mike says, Mommy Linda, we're gonna have a baby today. And sure enough, it was as if God was giving his kiss of approval on that hospital because the very first day we were open, we had a lady come in. She survived. The baby was very, very healthy. We didn't even have anything for babies. We weren't anticipating that to happen. We literally used whatever we could find. We're searching for scissors. It was an unbelievable experience. That night I went on social media and I said, you know, we need a baby crib. We need a baby, we need all of this for babies. And so money was donated. And I went in Haiti and purchased all of the items and we had one of everything for each baby for the for the babies. And uh, don't you know that the next day a lady came in and had twins? <laughs> wow. It's hilarious. We thought we were ready. We're just never ready, you know. God is always bigger. Um, And also the really funny part was we were supposed to close at three that day, you know, that first day. And I looked at Dr. Roberto and I said, hey, we're supposed to be closing. He was like, honey, we're not closing now. He said, we got to keep this open and watch these mommies and watch these babies. Gigi, in the first four days we were open, we had 27 women come in who were seven months or further along who had never seen a physician we had babies popping out left and right at that hospital. So it, it was it, such a need and in such a remote area. Uh, so unbelievable. But in addition, that's just the newest thing that we have is the hospital. Um, we still have the orphanage where the children from the choir came. And of course, those 22 kids that are here now basically open 22 spots for other children to come in. Uh, we have an all-girls orphanage called the Hope and Love Orphanage, and then we also have a Hug Orphanage, Haiti Under God, and as you may or may not know, when you turn 18 in Haiti, you don't stay in the orphanage any longer, and that presented an issue because there, it's a lot easier to get people to help with cute little kids, the people who want to help. But once you turn 18, I mean, even in America, I mean, frankly, even in my own home, sometimes when my children turn 18, it's not <laughs> as fun to deal with them. Just saying. Uh, but we knew we had to come up with a process for that. So we started a transition home on top of our vocational school. So that the vocational school is also something that we started. And we have cosmetology, cooking, crafts, where we make our... Um, Beauty for Ashes jewelry. Our jewelry is made out of trash. We have a whole Beauty for Ashes line that uh, we do earrings, bracelets, and necklaces out of trash. We teach that in the vocational school and are actually currently employing 187 women that we're keeping out of sex trafficking to be able to do this jewelry. This is available um, all throughout the United States on our website through African American Expressions. So we started just in that vocation. We also do computers, construction. Uh, we do concrete block making. We have, a, we've purchased a concrete block machine that we use for all of our building and we train the guys on that. And then we started the transition home and we just had a donor at the end of December who's going to finish that for us. So now, and isn't this funny, it's kind of like we're doing exactly the same thing with the transition home that we did with the homeless shelter. We're bringing the girls in, we're making sure they're finished with school because just because of your age in Haiti, just because you're 18, that doesn't mean you're finished with school because you may have come to the orphanage at age 12, 13 and not been in school. And in Haiti, you start at first grade. So if you're 13, 15, 100, you're gonna start in first grade and work through. So we finish, make sure they're finished with school and the school's right there by the transition home. And then we put them in the vocational school, whatever they wanna do, cosmetology, crafts, whatever they want to do. And then we can give them a job. So all of our girls are employed with us. So some of them work at the hospital. Some of them work in the school. Some of them work at the in the kindergarten. We uh, And now we've bought land to build 100 homes on. So the girls literally can transition out of that transition home. And the land that we purchase is within walking distance of that particular location, so they can still come back and forth to work. I mean, it's amazing.
0: Very inspiring. I love it. You mentioned God. How important is your relationship with God to you? The
1: number one. That's it. And, you know, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, There's, you know, I'm a volunteer, I don't get paid a penny. Uh, every cent that comes in to our ministry goes directly to Haiti or directly to help someone. Um, but God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? God is—I uh, mean, you're really missing out if 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 your life is boring and dull and you don't have any joy. You're—I can tell you why. It's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because once you step into that, you know, Gigi, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming, searching. Searching the earth. Searching is like when you lose the remote to your television, whatever you'll do to find that, that's what searching is. But he has to search the earth just to find a heart that is turned toward him so that he can use it. That's sad to me that he would have to search, you know, for as many people as say they're Christians. You know, somebody told me the other day, I just can't believe she did that because she says she's a Christian. And I said, Girlfriend, you know, you can stand in a garage, but that'll make you a car. You know, just because you say you're a Christian that doesn't mean anything. It's what you believe, it's what your faith is. And my my faith is completely and totally in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I think he's just waiting for us to take that step. If we had done everything logically and by uh not that we haven't planned, I don't want you to get me wrong. It's we're not flippantly doing things. But if we had done everything logically and not on faith, we would not be where we are today. I mean, We bought an ambulance before we started to build the hospital. That's faith that you're going to have a hospital. And so I completely 100% uh, count on and strive every day to do everything biblically. Exactly. You know, the word of God tells us exactly how to handle every situation. And that is my goal.
0: That is amazing. (laughs) One thing serving God to you.
1: You say it one more time. You went out on me. In one sentence, what does serving God's people mean to you? Well, it's the name of our ministry. Love him. Love them. Matthew 25 tells us exactly what it is. He tells us in the final judgment, I'm going to separate you out to the sheep and the goats. And the sheep are the people who, when I was thirsty, you brought me something to drink. Oh, you said one sentence. I'm going to do five. When I was hungry, you brought me something to eat. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. When I was sick, you helped me. I mean, that's what we are, the hands and you know, people say, oh, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Please tell me, what are you doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? You know, God tells us that in real religion that he considers pure and faultless is this to care for the orphans and the widows in distress. Most people can't tell you the name of an orphan. So I don't know how you're caring for them if you don't even know the name of one. Very powerful.
0: very
1: powerful. What does leadership mean to, leadership mean to me? Leadership yes. is being a servant. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, uh, exemplified that for us. He showed us exactly. He said, you know, those who are our last will be first. Those, are, I mean, we are to serve. So leaders are servants. Um, and as we serve others, that is, that is how God places us in leadership roles. He, I mean, he wants us to be humble. He's looking for people that will serve. And we serve him. I mean, that, that's the key to it. You know, how do you glorify God? How do you, it's, it's not laying on your face in your prayer closet all day, which you need to do, but it's serving other people. You know, Gigi, you and I are the answers to other people's prayers, right? When people pray, Jesus doesn't hop back down here and say, oh, let me answer that prayer. He uses us. That's right. Absolutely. Now, what does volunteering mean to you? Volunteering means give me a call right now. I got something for you to do. <laughs> our whole ministry runs off of volunteers. Uh, I just had lunch with one of our volunteers before I came here today. So we've got, I mean, listen, whatever your gift is, we can use it. And I think that I love working with volunteers. I, I, love it, love it, love it. I've had several businesses. I was an entrepreneur before God gifted me with this opportunity. And I think it's much more fun to work with volunteers than people that get paid because people that are volunteers are doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because they're passionate about it. And, you know, we just had probably 400 volunteers for our, we also work here locally. Uh, we did, uh, we served 3000 people for Thanksgiving, homeless, hopeless, and homebound. Uh, we had we could not have done that without volunteers. We just had our Night of Hope. Everything that we do is uh, stems from our family. So uh, there, some of my children's one of their we have people that are incarcerated, and so our Night of Hope every year is for children who have a parent incarcerated. I think we had 125 volunteers at that event. Uh, we have opportunities daily. For volunteers to help, and we just packed a shipping container to go to Haiti this past Saturday. I think we were, we couldn't even count how many volunteers were there, um, but we packed up medical supplies that have been donated. We have volunteers that drove medical supplies down from New York. So we, whatever your gift is, we have a volunteer driving a truck, driving that shipping container to Miami. Um, we can use whatever gift you have to help with, to love him and love them.
0: Absolutely amazing. Now, Jim here, he says, a gift to the people. Very powerful. And thank you for listening in, Jim. We appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Now, Linda, tell us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life.
1: Major challenges that I have to overcome in my life. <laughs> That's on a daily basis. My, my current major, major challenge is how to get my daughter picked up from dance class today and have my son at the basketball game. And make sure my other daughter gets home from school and doesn't have to stay and and practice on a test. You know, we started off with five children and we now have four more. So, And then we also have one that's already out and married. So I'm gonna tell you that my my current challenges are just like every other mother's. Is, you know, you have your day planned out and all of a sudden the kid's sick and you gotta stay home. There's a lot of times that we have to pivot. And I truly believe that one of the most difficult things in a woman's life how to be an amazing wife, how to be a fabulous mother, how to take time to worship God, and how to take care of yourself. It's a very, very big challenge. And then on top of that, if you add in a ministry, and uh, currently in my particular situation, I have my 83-year-old mother living with me also. So um, I just try to tell myself and my kids, you know what? We all have the same 24 hours in every day, and it's our job to make the best of it. Every single second, because life is a vapor and it will be gone from us soon.
0: Amen. Yes, yes. Now, what is your why that keeps me going? What is my
1: why that keeps me going? My why that keeps me going is I want to hear more than anything. I want to hear well done, my good and faithful servant, and that is what continues to keep i'm going to tell you Gigi, when you run a ministry or you try to do anything for god you run head-on into satan (laughs) and especially in haiti haiti is you know two things in my opinion that haiti needs is jesus and jobs and uh there is a a mainstream religion in haiti that uh, is voodoo and it's literally um And when you bring 30 children from Haiti to the United States who have been involved in voodoo or their relatives have been involved in voodoo, it's a constant battle, a big battle. And so I have to remember that the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because what the end is. You know, we have to make our decisions based on what consequences or what the, our decisions based on what will happen. And I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to do what I'm supposed to do as far as what, my cre- the person that created me.
0: I want to do what he wants me to do. Amen. Now, was there a time in your life when you experience an aha moment? Aha. <laughs> what sticks out the most in your mind? <laughs> well,
1: I'm going to tell you the, the immediate things that comes to my mind is uh, on the second choir tour. The second choir tour, we sang at a prison. We sang at several prisons, but on that choir tour, And as I mentioned, there are children in the choir that have experienced voodoo. And I just want to say this, voodoo is sin, it's demonic activity. The same way worry, anxiety, depression, all of those things are demonic activity. In the United States, we choose to not look at sin as sin, we just look at it as something that needs to be medicated. And uh, in that prison, some of the girls who had been released and delivered from demonic activity, they could see it. They could see it in the women that were in this prison. And we had a part in every one of our concerts where we would go out and pray. We let the, the, the kids go out and pray for the people in that congregation. And we never, ever, ever told them who to pray for. We let the Holy Spirit lead them. And these girls went out and we saw deliverances happening in the women in the prison based on what the girls in the choir saw. And I I just, you know, that one year alone, I think we had 875 salvations uh, from the choir tour. And that was the aha. It wasn't about me taking my kids back to be more grateful. It wasn't about me bringing those kids here so that they could have a better life or they could have an opportunity to sing. It was all the lives that God had planned for these kids to touch. Um, but I mean, I have aha moments every single day that are overwhelming to me. I can't believe we opened a hospital. I mean, I don't, <laughs> there was civil unrest in Haiti during the grand opening of the hospital. And I was told not to come. And I looked at my husband and I said, I don't know anybody else who has opened a hospital and has the opportunity to go to the grand opening. My happy butt is getting on that plane and I am going. And I did. The The things that God has allowed us to see and do are are just insane, but I, I think it's the same way as as moms with our kids. You know, when your kid listens to you and does what they're supposed to do, you just want to give them more, right? You just want to help see them succeed, and I, and I feel like it's the it's the same way with God. It's incredible.
0: Amen. Amen. Very powerful. What is your best advice for the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness?
1: Well, joy comes from putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. I mean, that is the acronym for joy. So my best piece of advice, and my husband and I do a lot of biblical counseling, is if you don't have any joy in your life, the very first thing you need to do is go serve somebody. You need to go help somebody else. If you really want some joy in your life, you should come with me. uh, April 20th is our next trip to Haiti. You should come with me and see how much you have to be thankful for. You've got, you have to be grateful for what you have. I just had this conversation with someone yesterday who wants to go to, as they referred to it, another level. You know, if you're not being obedient and happy and grateful and thankful for the level you're at, do you really think God is going to elevate you above that? So you really are responsible for your joy because it's up to you. I I promise you, this is a money back guarantee. If you will put Jesus first, and what that means is not just like, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe Satan said he believes, you know, in God, that doesn't really have anything to do with it. It's what you believe shows by your actions. It shows by whether you're obedient to what the word of God tells you. And then if you'll go put others, go serve somebody, go do something, go, go serve at the boys and girls club go take somebody a meal, go sit with somebody outside of a nursing home, go do something for somebody besides yourself. You will be amazed at how different you will feel. I mean, th- that's where joy comes from. Amen. Loving him by
0: loving them. That's it. Yes, ma'am. Joy model. Very powerful. Now, Linda, thank you so much for being the guest on Walk With Me podcast. Where can the audience find you?
1: So you can love him, love them.org. There you go. And you can contact me through there. I think there's a contact page. Um, and you can also text or call me at 706-599-7525 or email me directly at linda at love, him, love Say that number again. 706-599-7525.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Linda at lovehimlovedem.org. And again, her phone number is 706-599-7525. And Linda, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me Podcast. You have a blessed day. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing us to share our story. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.